Hello, thank you so much for joining us with On Purpose and Oops Podcast. My name is Sienna. I've got my partner Tina Christensen with me, and we are so excited today because we have the composer of Only One, Wendy. And I'm so sorry, Derwashter, Derwashter? Oh, that's okay. Uh, it's Wendy Derwachter. Derwachter. Wonderful. What is the derivation of that name? Um, it's German and it equates to castle guard or um, door watcher, I think, something like that. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry for that weird intro, but um, how did you get started down the path of becoming a composer? I wanted to be a concert pianist initially, and I went to the University of Minnesota to in the Twin Cities to study piano performance. And uh, at some point after learning theory to a point where I was much more comfortable with it, I realized that I wanted to hear and feel sounds on the piano that I otherwise couldn't find in the piano literature and so it started that way and uh, then I learned orchestration and fell in love with uh, the limitations I became more aware of the limitations of the piano you can't crescendo on a note <laughs> or on a key so uh, and I, I grew up playing in band and some jazz bands uh, at you know middle school, high school. And so I put that experience to work and and then eventually switched to voice because I studied poetry in college as well. And uh, realized that I, I love setting text to music. So. Speaking of high school, you went to school in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I'm also yeah, from. Yeah. That's so cool, yes. <laughs> and we overlapped piano teachers just a little bit because you studied with Bishop Bent, right? Yes, yeah, and yes. you did as well, yeah. Very briefly, my piano teacher actually um, it got to the point where she was like, you know, there's nothing more I can teach you. You need to go study with this guy. Yeah. And I had like a sample lesson with him. He passed away not much longer after that. Oh, so I yeah. never officially got to study with him. But oh, yeah. what a brilliant man and what a great influence growing up. Yeah, he was a huge influence in my life. He's one of the most intelligent and artistically aware people I've ever met. So, yeah. <laughs> I remember I was playing for a competition that he was judging and oh. he just he sat down at the piano and demonstrated something like didn't even have to look at the music. Like he just had it all memorized. And I remember watching him judge for a few other people and he did the same thing for all of them and my jaw just dropped. Yeah, he he was really amazing. Uh, a little fun fact about him is he, before he became um, a, a bishop of the American Orthodox Catholic Church, he uh, played in jazz lounges in San Francisco. <laughs> so he was, I mean, just a really multi-talented person. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then taught classical piano. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I was kind of going back a little bit, but taken by the phrase that you mentioned about feeling the chords in your, your hands. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I've never heard it phrased that way, that that's the way that your gateway drug into composing. Yeah, <laughs> it was my gateway drug. Uh, yeah, there's just, um, it was something I just started to notice. Uh, I have a lot of, a lot of influences, but 
some the the 20th century composers i i just especially um alberto ginastero is someone that i really loved and he takes uh, a lot of chord like a chord from one key in one hand and then a chord from another key in another hand and the way he places them i i started realizing i i like the feel because uh keyboard playing is a lot of spatial recognition and you get muscle memory and you can well, I mean, this is why blind people can do it so well, I think, because I, don't, I guess I don't truly know, but you, you just feel it. And so I was really liking the feel of his music, but I, I liked some of the melodic treatments of other composers. And so I just wanted to kind of combine those aspects and create something new. <laughs> So cool. Jared Miller actually commented that he is always excited to work with a composer who's a pianist because oh. they take into consideration how something feels in their hands when they play it. And he said oh. it was really enjoyable to play only one the way things were written. It was it was oh. very natural. He enjoyed that a lot. Oh, that's so great to hear. I He's actually the first pianist to, aside from a friend, uh, to play and perform my music. So otherwise I just do it myself. <laughs> and he, I, I really appreciated his talents. He's very uh, virtuosic. Now you mentioned a couple of your musical influences. Do you have any more that have, you know, contributed the most to your own compositional qualities? Maurice Reville was somebody I really fell in love with his music early on. It's very difficult to play. So I actually only know a few songs, but I've always loved taking his books of music and just playing through really slowly because it's the speed part that gets really difficult. But when you play through slowly, you can really see what he has done. And a lot of composers that I actually haven't fully learned, but I, I have a pretty strong ear. So just, you know, listening to the favorites on repeat really helps. So um, Stravinsky, his music is quite difficult. Um, but like, as far as things I've performed, formed and played Beethoven, of course, is kind of a staple in the pianist's diet. <laughs> I really took to his storminess and uh, impassioned works. Chopin, Nocturnes, uh, those were some of my favorites, but I learned a few of his others. Um, I, I really took to Franz Liszt and learned um, one of his pieces to a performance level, Un Suspiro. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really fell in love with uh, his harmony and just how gorgeous it's written in every every way he develops the melody and uh, the textures are dazzling to me. So, um, and then another piece I learned that I loved was the Dante Sonata and it's really dark and then it's really beautiful at places too. So that contrast, uh, I really fell in love with that. Um, and then Alberto Ginastera, uh, some people say Ginastera, but um, I, that was another one. Uh, he's very, he really gets percussive on the piano. So that was a lot of fun. And you said that you really liked setting poetry to music as well. And you have this fantastic song cycle that's available on YouTube you. currently, the Yeats cycle, which is actually what we listen to and realize like, oh yeah, if we have somebody write this piece for us, it's gotta be Wendy. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank Can you. you tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you came to, how, how you choose poetry when you set it and how you approach it as you set it? Yeah, I fell in love with his poetry, maybe in, in high school. And then, and then I took a class that really dove into it in college. And it, 
I was quite dumbfounded that no one had made a song cycle. And I actually on your website, I was just listening to the Rebecca Clark version that is so gorgeous. I just love the chords she put. I, I hadn't listened to that before um, writing what I had written. His poetry was um, really just begging to be set to music in my opinion. So uh, that was how I came across that. But there's a Duluth poet that I'm looking forward to setting some of her music to poetry, um, Sheila Paca. She's Finnish. And I, I know um, somebody actually made a uh, an orchestral piece based on her poetry. So it's, uh, I think she's got a musicality that's kind of getting around. <laughs> and can you just set any poem to music or do you have to, if it's a living writer, do you have to get their permission? Uh, yes, you do need permission. I, I did try to gain rights to a text once and I've learned that you you need to contact the publisher. They have the rights. And other than that, there are a lot of there's a lot of poetry has gone past its copyright. Yeah, so there are a lot of public domain poetry out there that I think is very rich. Um, particularly interesting to me is um, Jorge Luis Borges from Argentina. I, I just, I'm an enamored with his collection of poetry, so I keep waiting for it to come into the public domain. <laughs> and there's, there's um, I think his early, early two publications are, are ready, but then you have to deal with um, translations. So, but of course it's certainly worth it to contact and, and pay for the rights as well, so. It just depends on what your budget is. <laughs> exactly, yes. And luckily I know Spanish, so I guess I could kind of translate it myself. <laughs> yeah, or just set them in Spanish. Or translate yeah. only the words that you know. Exactly. <laughs> so it's <laughs> yeah, you can really ad lib. <laughs> yeah. It gives new meaning to a bilingual piece, that's for sure. There you go. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Now, what appealed to you about doing this only one project? I know Tina and I reached out to you and oh, we're just yeah. like, hey, we want to set a recipe to music. You into it? Oh, yeah. And um, I was honored and so excited, right? Just upon hearing about what you were doing. And uh, yeah, the, the Oops Minnesota project or the nonprofit that you started is really compelling. And um, so grateful you're doing this. That coupled with setting recipes to music uh, is entertaining and <laughs> definitely different. I, I tend to write music that is um, a little more serious, except for the Yeats uh, poetry is, I, I guess I, I did get, uh, I picked some, some funny ones, but um, more playful just to take on the challenge of setting <laughs> a recipe to music was really, uh, really appealing to me, so, especially uh, Mark Campbell's words. I mean, <laughs> what an honor to work with his words, so. It's funny you say that, you know, humor isn't a characteristic of your compositions because it has such a natural humor. Even Mark, when he heard it for the first time, he's like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Like, oh. it, it really, it seems very natural. So I, I'm surprised mm. you should do, keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a really silly side to my personality. So yeah, I, I should bring that out in my music more. So, yeah. <laughs> do you, what was the most challenging part of the experience for you? It was actually to be funny. That was the, the challenging ah. part. I mean, because it's, 
it's a recipe. I, I guess I had this moment of thinking, can I be funny? I don't know. <laughs> but he, then I, I had to read it a few times and I saw where he put some subtle humor and um, with the format. And so once I caught on to where he was going, then it, it clicked and it, I felt like it wrote itself really. So it's amazing. Yeah. That he does Mark Campbell, all of his librettos have that, you know, like witticisms. It's just like yeah. smart little, little yeah. humor things. And they're not knock you over the head, bombastic laughter, but it's yeah. your, the way you wrote it just matches perfectly with it. Those little oh. offbeat things. Um, oh. I just, I love it. I got the song stuck in my head and, and when I was making the test batch for the, the filming, as I'm measuring stuff out, I'm just singing the song along <laughs> in my head. Oh, <laughs> so I'll so never great. I'll never forget the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. That great. has to be the highest compliment of a piece is its memorability yeah. and you know those little earworms that you get and yeah. it definitely has those. Absolutely. And you're also an incredibly fast composer. Oh, I, I even forget the timeline that it was, but it was like two weeks. I'll have it done. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm lucky so far. I, I, I sit down at the piano and I think, okay, I, I'm not going to necessarily write it right now. I'm just going to try some things out and see what I think. And, you know, first I read over the text and, and let it guide me and make sure I, I fully understand what's going on. And, and then I, I, yeah, I just, try it out and I, I fully expect to reject it and it gives me the freedom to do whatever <laughs> sometimes I, I purposely do things that I think won't be right just to get it out of my system <laughs> and then um, yeah I kind of just let let the piano guide me um, and then I take a step back and uh, analyze what I did I've never heard about like the the process that you've gone through so you just Sit, and so you start with the piano, usually the piano line, I mean? Uh, yeah, not not always, but especially on this one, I, I, um, I came up with a groove and it worked for me. And so I kind of made it the basis of, up until the little chorus part. And is that I the actually, do -dip 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 -dip? Um, <laughs> where she starts putting the mixing and the that um, where the piano is just playing straight chords underneath Preheat the oven at yeah. 50 Fahrenheit. Yeah, I know that part. I'm going to have this recipe memorized forever because of this. You can make cookies on demand now. That's so great. Yeah, I actually imagined a choir beneath the vocal line. And I just wrote it into the piano part there. So I don't know if anyone picked that up, but... It, was it does kind of have like an organ, open quality chord choir sound to it. I'm currently in a, a master's program for film composing, um, film scoring, and I'm studying with uh, Hummy Mann. He's a really experienced orchestrator and, and composer. And I have one-on-one -on -one sessions with him to do these very specific projects, uh, writing projects. And it's a challenge because it's not instinctual. I'm learning how he does it. And so it's very cerebral and um, that's, that's a challenge. So it's a much different process and not quite as fast. <laughs> and how does that process work then? Do you have a, a video that you watch and then you compose along with what you see? Yeah, eventually that's, 
we've, we've done a few projects like that, but uh, most of the writing projects with him are, are just, there's no video yet because we're still learning the video process, mm -hmm. but it, there's a set specifications and he says, make this section only one minute long and the next section 30 seconds long and you put the harmony this way and the melody will interact with the harmony in this way. Uh, each project is very different. Now, who dictates what that's going to be? Is that like a, would a director be the one who would tell you yeah. time and mood is what he's looking for? And then, yep. okay. Very interesting. That must be a totally different approach than poetry. Cause as you're saying, like the text kind of writes itself and then without that. Well, actually it's interesting that you say that because um, in the projects that I have done to like short clips of film, I feel that the film writes the music by you watch the visuals and uh, the moods that you pick up from the characters and the background and the pacing, it kind of dictates what you're going to do. And so it, I feel like it could definitely write itself as well. <laughs> you seem to have no loss of like creativity and melodies and it's really wonderful to see because there is a lot in only one there are some unifying themes but there's also such um newness in each of them as well and one of the things you've said a lot is going from one one extreme to another and i think oh. that you're also very good at playing with the textures in the music so it's not just one note the entire performance it's you know you get a nice little chunk of it and then let's do something new but you remember that thing that we did like it's it's very nice to listen to Oh, great. Well, I appreciate that you, um, I, I appreciate your attention to detail in <laughs> reading the piece. <laughs> we got pretty obsessed with it, I would say. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but also as performers, it's our job to, to decide, like, what is the music telling me and exploring all the possibilities. And there were just a lot of possibilities to explore, and we all had fun putting it together. Wow. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Do you have any like favorite favorite melody or measures from the piece that people should listen for as like Wendy's favorite? I appreciate, I like the ending. It's really subtle. <laughs> and I, and I, I like her opening. It's very powerful. And I mean, it's kind of how I feel when I'm about to make cookies. It's like, it's time to make cookies. <laughs> so, the opening was the one thing we talked probably the most about, and it was how and what are we going to do in the opening? You know, do we just want to see Jared on the piano or what story are we telling that leads up to this? So that was that was fun for me also as like a pseudo director with, with Tina to yeah. kind of talk through. We're like, what would what would Tracy be doing at this point? We're like, oh, well, this, this kind of sounds like this. And I really love that you were so open with us, you know, doing that, including putting in a doorknob, a, a doorbell <laughs> in the music for us. Cause we're like, yeah. I feel like we need a doorbell here. That was so fun. My goal as a composer was to make it custom to what you were looking for. So, and I, I trust your vision. You, you both have a very great idea on a cool little video. And you definitely did that. Thank you yes. so much. And thank you for trusting us as well. This oh, yeah. Kind of a crazy thing, but um, it's, it's fun. I was saying to Tina, it's so cool that before, you know, November, none of this existed. And now there's a libretto, a score, an audio recording and a video recording. I mean, it's, there was nothing. And now there's, there's all these things. It's really neat to see. 
That is exciting. Thank you for getting me involved. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We're so lucky to be able to work with you. It's really a pleasure. Now, do you have any projects coming up in the future or recordings from the past that you'd like to direct people's attention to? The song cycle, uh, William Butler Yeats, a Yeats song cycle is what it's called. And uh, sung by Adam Cipolla and me on the piano. And we recorded it at Weber Hall. That is available as Tina mentioned on YouTube or um, I think on Spotify or iTunes as well. So, and there's CDs if anyone wants to get a hold of me. <laughs> yeah. Can they find those on your website? Yes. And can you tell us what your website is? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, WendyDirwachter.com. Yes, I'm in process of loading that particular CD onto it. So if it's if someone is looking and it's not there, I could be contacted via my website. <laughs> And if people hear this music and they're really impressed and they want to perform it, can they contact you to buy a score? Absolutely. Yeah. How exciting. Okay. <laughs> you might be getting an email from me later is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, I guess everything up an octave, right? <laughs> I, I would actually, some of them I would maybe want to develop for soprano and I would absolutely love to, you know, the, maybe the piano voicings might be a little different or something. So uh, I would be honored to have you perform. That's awesome. I, yeah. It's also nice to know, because I know some composers are very um, attached to the keys that they pick for things yeah. and transposing it for other voice types is a no-no. So it's nice to know that that you yeah. are open to that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I understand where people are coming from, definitely. But uh, I think and when I've transposed things, I often go back and revoice the chords based on um, low intervals, sometimes get muddy or sometimes the chord just sounds different in a different key. And so I, I might tweak things a little, but um, I'm comfortable with somebody just doing it as is transposed as well. So. When you are composing for say voice and piano or just piano, are you hearing other orchestral instruments in the piano or is this just piano? Does that make sense? No, I, I definitely, especially in my development as a composer has changed my piano playing actually. So when I go back to play some of my old favorites, I now I hear a string quartet or, a, an, orchestra, or an orchestra playing all those pitches. Um, but yeah, definitely I, I think I'm, I think more symphonically. Did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to totally put you on the spot here and say, if you were to orchestrate only one, what would the instrumentation be? Oh, man. I think it would be really fun to actually use some brass, but I would have to be very careful to, you know, not overpower the voice. But um, pizzicato strings. I, yeah, that would be really fun. <laughs> maybe an oboe. Well, no. Clarinet, maybe. Yeah. You gotta be careful with oboes and sopranos. <laughs> so I probably wouldn't do that. <laughs> That's gonna be my favorite Wendy Derwachter quote. You gotta be careful with oboes and sopranos. I'm actually writing that down. <laughs> I'm glad I could generate a quote. <laughs> <laughs> On the 10 year anniversary of Oops, we'll have to orchestrate the piece and perform it live. That's oh. all we'll do. Write that down too, Tina. Okay. 10 okay. years, put it on the calendar. <laughs> But no oboes. And I love oboes, so don't get me wrong. But. 
<laughs> well, with that, I'm ready for rapid fire. Okay. Great. So these are some shorter questions. Just answer whatever comes to your mind. If you need some more time, feel free to pause. Um, and we might ask follow-up questions because we're not really good at rapid fire, but we're trying. Oh, we get okay. interested by the answers, so we might ask a okay. couple more questions. Yeah, and feel free to edit, too. <laughs> okay. Tina has been given that power. She okay. may edit as she deems fit. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so people would be surprised to know that you are? Um, that I am newly an empty nester. <laughs> My, I have two kids in college. <laughs> Wait, they're both in college now? My mind yeah. is blown. <laughs> I know. Uh, my daughter's a freshman. They're both at the U of M in the Twin Cities. So. Oh my goodness. How yeah. does that feel? Yeah. Ah, uh, bizarre. <laughs> Thankfully you have that course to keep you occupied. Yeah, it's been really great. And a, and a recipe commission as well. <laughs> We're happy to fill your time. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> now, do you get to do much um, performing? I guess not with COVID, but before, were you performing much or really uh, just composing? Yeah, Adam and I gave us several performances and um, before we recorded. And then our goal was to travel around Minnesota, maybe into Wisconsin, you know, to, to give performances. And um, other than that, I, um, I accompany two choirs. So I've actually learned a lot about the voice from being a, a choir accompanist from various choir directors, really talented ones in town here, um, like Jenny Campbell at um, the cathedral. And I hear her talk about vowels a lot. <laughs> Um, well, so that, Jenny Campbell is actually an opera singer, so yeah, that makes right. her an extra good choir teacher, I think. Exactly, yeah. Other than that, I, I would love to just focus on composing mostly. I like being the, the brain behind the scene. Well, we're going to ask, are there any, you can answer this this way, are there any performance day rituals that you have? An espresso, for sure, shortly before the performance. <laughs> um, and maybe a, a long bike ride or a run, something to get all of the anxiety out of you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then pump yourself up with espresso. <laughs> <laughs> Just replace the anxiety with espresso anxiety. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> now, do you have any composing rituals? Like you like certain things set out oh, for the create the space? I don't, I kind of just roll with it. Is there a certain time of day that you prefer to write? I've done a lot of writing at night. I've worked in restaurants for 20 years, so my schedule was kind of a late night schedule for a while. But now that I'm in grad school, I'm I'm developing this early morning sunrise schedule, and it's really great. So, yeah. Now, what are you doing in the minutes before you go on stage for performance? Uh, I am quietly looking over my music and thinking, okay, turn page here. Make sure you hit that chord. Don't forget to get quiet here. Make sure you look at the singer here. <laughs> In a magic world where COVID restrictions are lifted because everyone's been vaccinated, what's the first thing you go to do? Man, just to have a meal with friends would be really wonderful. Well, my, my parents actually have recently gotten vaccinated, so I'm excited I can go visit them. They're both uh, in their early 80s, so uh, I'll be doing that. Other than that, music performances <laughs> that's i'll be seeking those out probably as much as possible <laughs> i 
feel the same way. I don't even want to be home. I'll be like, okay, bye. I'm just going to yeah. be gone forever. <laughs> bye cats. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back in a week. I just need a break. <laughs> yeah. If you could give a duo recital with any artist living or dead, who would it be? Oh, gee. Your cat has an opinion. An adorable cat. My cat would be the one. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. A duo recital. Jeff Buckley. Yes, Jeff Buckley. Oh, my Buckley. gosh, yes. <laughs> He's so amazing. <laughs> That's a great answer. I sang a cover of his in high school. It was so oh, much fun. Wow. Yeah. I was in a metal band for a short period of time. Oh, very cool. Which Which song? Oh, Lover, You Should Have Come Over. We did his oh, version yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My friend Tom was a pianist, so he like wrote his own arrangement and put in a little piano oh. solo. He was actually pretty good. I found the recording not too long ago. I was like, this cool. is not half bad for like high schoolers trying to make some music. Yeah. Nice. What And what high school was that? I went to an all girls Catholic school. Um, it's called Ursuline Academy in Massachusetts. And then he went to the brother's school to my school, which was called Zavarian. And that was the all boys school. Oh, and metal rock band. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 We wore uh, like flight suits and skeleton masks. And I had a little hole cut in the top of mine from a ponytail to come out of it. <sighs> And um, yeah, one of the shows we destroyed a trash can on stage. Why are you the coolest person I know? Wow, yeah, performance art and everything. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Were you influenced by Wendy Williams? Wendy Williams? No. She used to, I think she used to burn things on stage. <laughs> no, bra burnings were on Friday nights. Those are totally different events. <laughs> Sorry, we got really derailed yeah, there. We're uh, really bad at this rapid fire thing. But Jeff Buckley, that was amazing. I, that was totally unexpected. And um, yeah, Grace is one of my absolute all-time favorite yeah. albums. Um, yeah. And the letters to my sweetheart or to the drunk, I love that one too. So Yeah, I lament yeah. that he died so young. Everyone wear flotation devices when swimming. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, okay, so what's one item on your bucket list? I have a favorite poem by Octavio Paz. It's very long. It's called Sunstone. And I've always dreamed of, well, not always, since I discovered it, <laughs> I, I would love to make a big symphonic version out of it with choir and soloists and uh, kind of Mahler's ape, but not as obnoxiously large. <laughs> I love this. Oh my gosh. Usually I tell people and they're like, whoa, that's weird. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad to see you're enthusiastic. <laughs> well, Tina, you were recording at your own version of Mahler's. Which symphony was oh. that? <laughs> my husband and I bought a set of sleigh bells. And so we recorded <laughs> our own duet version of the opening of Mahler 4. <laughs> Um, what is on your nightstand right now, Wendy? Your cat makes the cutest noises. <laughs> Thank you. I actually, I recorded her sounds for a school project and then manipulated them. Anyway, uh, on my nightstand is an empty wine glass that I probably need to go wash. <laughs> no, you're just, you're catching fruit flies. It's, it's a strategic glass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, what is something that you're proud of? My kids. I, I'm proud that they've become healthy, happy people that care about the world. Um, this project, I'm super proud to be a part of it. 
these days we just kind of look look for things to be grateful for right <laughs> hopefully hopefully yeah. you're doing that yeah do you have any advice for your younger self i guess it would be just trust your in instincts um and my younger self i probably would have said watch less tv and things like that you know? <laughs> <laughs> but hey now you're writing music for it so you were studying yeah yes. Wendy, you were studying back I, I did a lot of study <laughs> investing yeah. in your future yeah yes. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but can you write off a netflix uh subscription now because you're a you know a film oh. film music writer i'll have to look into that uh yeah. we have a, a business class at the end so <laughs> they're waiting for that point to do all the fun stuff <laughs> yeah right <laughs> when will you officially graduate in july so it's a two-year master's program crammed into one year and I had no idea how how time consuming it would be for myself, but uh, yeah. And and you contacted me at the a time when I was knee deep in finishing projects and doing finals for my quarter, and I almost said no. And then I'm so glad I I didn't. Uh, I realized that I was going to have a a five day break over Thanksgiving to decompress, and then on that Sunday I received Mark Campbell's poem, and so I. I got started while the new quarter was kind of, you know, fizzling, trickling in. <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad the timing worked out because I, yeah. I can't imagine anyone else having written oh. this music. Um, it would be kind of cool to see what anyone else would do with it, but it's like, this, yeah. is, this is how it should be, you know? It feels right. If you ever, if you ever want to do a comparison for fun, I'd be... <laughs> I'd be curious to see what someone would do too, but maybe we'll just do open call to all composers watching. We'll give you the libretto. Let's see what you can come up with. Write your own. <laughs> the cookie challenge. Well, I appreciate that you liked my version. And I don't think it's Stockholm syndrome that we just like work with it so much that we loved it. Oh. I think it's like very genuinely good because I had my husband watch the the video that we had just the rough cut before it's you know anything okay. done and my husband watched he's like this is super good this like Tracy oh. is so charming the yeah. music is really memorable oh yeah he loved it so I was like okay we got something good here have you baked these cookies yet I haven't do you know <laughs> how good they are <laughs> they're so good oh, I'm gonna do it yeah I'll have to uh my daughter's actually kind of the baker, so I'll send her the recipe too. But. Do it. Bake for nine minutes and no more than 11. It's so cool that it's a real recipe that works. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then when Tina and I were measuring everything out in between takes, we were just singing the song in our head to do it. Oh. So we, yeah, we're experts now. Very cool. Who's, whose recipe? It was mine. My chocolate chip one. Wow. Well, yeah. congratulations for... For, it's uh, famous soon to yeah. be yeah. yeah i hope everyone makes them i searched high and low to find the best and tweak the best recipe and i think this one's it because yeah. they're like soft and not crunchy and when they're warm oh, yeah. they're nice and gooey yeah they're perfect good. yeah awesome. enjoy enjoy let us know what you think <laughs> yes. thank you i will <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us it was really nice to talk with you and get yeah. to know a little bit more about your process and you know, your history with music. It's really wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun.